Welcome to the County Onions Podcast with Bobby Shaw, where we celebrate culture that develops leaders. This is episode nine, and in today's conversation, I sit down with author, chef, and hospitality consultant, Andrew Craig. From working as a prep cook, to general manager, to business owner, and successful hospitality consultant, Andrew has built a career with a proven track record of culinary excellence and business acumen that has helped owners and leaders to build their business and their restaurants. Based in Ottawa, Canada, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Andrew and his son at North Italia Restaurant in Austin, Texas, where we had a great conversation on the restaurant business, leadership, creating culture, and how to attract more young leaders into the business. Along the way, Andrew inspired me, and I'm sure he will inspire you too. His passion for the business comes through loud and clear during the conversation, and his desire to help and coach other leaders in becoming better is palpable, and it was an amazing conversation. Since this was a longer podcast, I'm splitting it up into two parts for easier listening. Here's part one of my conversation with Andrew Craig. See you on the other side. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming down here. Yeah. All the way from Canada. All the way down from Canada. Via Houston, Texas. Houston. That's awesome. You know, I had to make the drive up. You know, it's, it's a boys' weekend with my son and I, and... You know, we did. We rented a, a convertible Camaro. So if you're going to drive across Texas in a, in a car, you might as well have an American muscle car, and it might as well be a convertible. Um, but yeah, no, I was uh, couldn't miss up the opportunity. We're in Texas to come and meet you. It's awesome uh, and have a chat. Well, I really enjoyed our exchanges on LinkedIn and going back and forth on email. And I think we're. I think we're very much the same, have a lot of like-minded philosophies, and so I can't wait to dig into yeah, the content with you and just kind of chat with you about the industry and where you've seen it go and where you see it going. So, But just to start, I'd love to, for you to introduce yourself to the audience and kind of who you are and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Andrew Craig. Um, I'm the owner and founder of Whitmore Hospitality in Canada. Um, so we're a, a full-service hospitality coaching and consulting company. Um, we do a lot of things. We really focus on the small market, independent or small chain restaurants, um, because I think that's really that's my roots in restaurants. Is really independence or independence that grew into small chains, or you know even one or two. But the first restaurant I ever worked in actually grew into a national chain. But I was only a prep cook at the time, so I can't really take any credit for that one. But, um, you know, that's really where I love to focus because I think those are the people that really need the help. You know, you get into the big chains and there's so many minds and so many people into them. Um, I like to be able to act like a corporate office for my clients. So that's what we've really endeavored to do. And I do great things like I've got rebate programs for their liquor and their food because you can't get them. As an independent restaurant, you can't go back to a supplier and say, hey, I bought a bag of ketchup. Give me more money back. Right. It's just not going to happen where, you know, as a big chain, you can certainly go back and say, I buy a lot of ketchup. Absolutely. Um, or or even at the beginning, like, I think I'm going to buy a lot and yeah. get some benefit from that. Absolutely. So you're actually negotiating that for your clients? Well, yeah. So I've, I've partnered into bigger food programs. So in Canada, we've got a program called Food Buy. Okay. Um, and they're actually through a very large buying group. They're one of the biggest buying groups in North America, really. Wow. Um, so... You know, what happens there with the Compass Group, essentially, is like... Sure. Yeah. So, I'm able to tie into that. You know, Compass gets a little bit of a cut out of it, too, but it mostly goes to the restaurateur. Um, and it's really a value-add for my services, because I'm proving right away and saying, hey, look, you know, 
these are the kind of things that the corporate guys get. Let me just help you get that. And it, it's not going to pay your rent every month, but you know what? Those extra dollars going back in your pocket that you wouldn't be able to get otherwise really help out. The liquor programs are huge. I mean, that's that's a, that's a lot of money. I'll bet. Um, so those are the kind of things I like to do. And then I do uh, coaching sessions. So I've started a program now where I'm doing phone coaching for groups. I do one-on-one coaching as well if it's remote. Um, so that, you know, if a client's right. far away. Sure. I even do one-on-ones with just coffee shops. I have yep. clients where it's just, it's once a week, I can't believe this is happening. What's happening to me? Why is this, you know, I can't get anybody to do the work. Yep. Okay, well, let's break down why they're not doing the work. Right. Why is it, is it you? Yeah. Which is a big question. It is. And donors don't really necessarily like to hear that. No, it's true though. Have you hired the right people? Are they willing to do the work or not? And, uh, you know, before we went on to on air for this, we are talking about that. And I think there, yep. there is a miss in that as well now that we're hiring maybe not the right people. Right. And it's, you know, it's a big part of what I do as a coach is to say, you have to have the right team. Think of it as a baseball team. You know, do you keep that bottom 10% guy or is he put on waivers? Exactly. He's put on waivers. And you exactly. pick up the best outfielder you can, or the best, you know, well, we're Canadian, so pinch hitter. <laughs> um, you know, um, and I'm going to throw one out there. Like, the Blue Jays just brought up this kid from the minors, Bo Bichette, and he's killing it. Thank you very much. Oh. Yep, thank you. No, that's right. That's me. There we go. Lunch has arrived. That's right. Um, you know, and I, I think that's the thing where if you can replace some of these big marquee players that, you know, I, I use uh, with another friend of mine who's a consultant, we use Betty. And Betty is the the server that's been there the longest because she's She has just all the institutional knowledge. Yeah, she, she knows a lot of things and she knows a lot of people, and, but she's just persevered. That's the only real quality to Betty because Betty sucks. Um, you know, so that's the kind of thing where I look with, as a coach, and I, I actually give Frank honest opinions to, to the owners and say, look, you really got to gotta dig deep. I know there's a lot of you know, time spent with Betty, and yep. you, you've built that uh, connection or that family feel with right. her, but Betty's part of the reason your business is sinking. She's right. part of the reason you're talking. So have you built a good team? Um so those are the kind of things that Whitmore does. You know, I really like to get in and, and be a part of the, of the restaurant. I do too. Um, you know, if we're doing a menu build, I will put on a chef jacket and be in the restaurant. Um, you know, I think it's an extra basil as well. Yeah. You know, if it's um, whatever the occasion may be. And it, it's just really understanding what my clients do. So, so do you find it one of those challenges? I'm just curious because you do some really important work and I love that you have such a passion for the small business owner, the smaller restaurant operator. Do you find it when you're having that talk, the talk where you're having to sit down with an owner and say, look, I don't think you got the right people here. What is the, like, from, like, scale of one to ten, like, what's the level of resistance that you get from them initially when you bring that up to them? You know, just on average. It, it does vary by by the client. It sure. really does. You know, the the shock of it, I think, is probably an eight. 
Yeah. You know, you really get that where they either, you know, this is the hard part. Do you see what's going on in your restaurant? And that's that's a big part of coaching, right? Is can I help you get what I see? Because that's right. when I walk in the door and I see Betty and she's, you know, sitting having a smoke at the counter or or, you know, I can use that as a that example as the worst possible thing that could happen. Um, but you know, hey, we're not that far off of having that. You know, Canada banned smoking in restaurants in Ontario where I'm from. It's been almost twenty years. Yeah. But uh, but that happened. I mean that used to be a thing. And you know, your hostess would have a cigarette at the counter. It was like, what? But you know, how do you how do you get somebody to see that? So right. that's that's what I do as a coach as well. And you know, when I go back to them and say, "Yeah, you eight out of ten of your servers suck." Yeah, and they're they're not helping you. The idea is to get your team working to a point where the restaurant is important to everybody, and you're all driving towards the same idea. Um, so I have an approach that I bring to them. It's just four cornerstones, and it spells sick, which isn't my best branding moment but it's systems identity culture and knowledge actually i love it because if you don't have those things that's exactly what you are you're sick you're sick you're yeah. not healthy so that's it's kind of you know, everyone i, tell I it's love like, it yeah it kind of works out but you know like it really comes down to having understanding your identity in that as well so as an owner you understand what your staff should be doing and looking like and right. acting like and do they have the right culture that's going to support you? Do they have the right knowledge? And, um, you know, that again, that whole identity. This little restaurant that we're in, you, know, yep. you can see the, the staff are all face forward. They're all looking at their guests. Absolutely. Um, they're all, you know, they're doing their cutlery. They're doing their roll-ups. But they're looking at the restaurant. And that's part of that, that whole process of are your staff capable of, of doing the job? And do they want that's to right. do it for you? That's right. And do they want to do it with you even better? So tell me the acronym again. SIC, right? Yeah, SIC. Systems? So systems, identity, culture, and knowledge. Beautiful. And if you can put those four things together for, you know, for me as a consultant to put it together for a small business owner. Yep. Yeah, how many times do you go into a small restaurant and go to the cook and say, have you ever had a menu test? <laughs> uh, do you really know what what all's on our menu? Yeah. Yes. Can, can you tell me what the ingredients are in the tomato sauce? Or, you know, it just it just shocks me sometimes that you don't have a basic knowledge of what you're doing. It's just a sample. Right. right. Um, it's true. You know, and, and servers, you know, to the point of if there's a substitution, do you have to go back and ask what the ingredients are? I bet you we could ask our server and, and go through and say, you know, what's in the sauce? And probably we'll have a very good idea because this seems like a very well organized and run restaurant she's been here a while right very, you know, very friendly yeah i've sold a little bit too yeah like, yeah but very not aggressively it was all very right hey right. cool it's but all very natural it's yeah. all very natural um so you know that's the those are the the four key points that i try to bring to somebody when they're and they come to me and they're and i have to go to them and say listen i'm sorry i, I really feel that your staff are a big part of your core problem and i face that a lot because I, you know, I do think it goes back again to what I was saying earlier. Is that I think there is a bit of a problem with what we are hiring, where we're setting our expectations for these new hires, 
you know, every generation blames the, the new generation. Oh, those lazy kids. <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting older, so I'm starting to say that. Except, but, except for those crazy kids are going to be running these companies yeah, in about 15, 20 years. Yeah, it's going to be Betty. <laughs> if we don't do something about Betty. If we don't do something Betty. about it. Um, you know, and I do, I, I, I won't say that everybody's terrible. Like, there are some absolutely wonderful people that come into this industry and that really thrive in it and that want to be enthusiastic and show her it's about the guest experience for me. So if you can make my experience phenomenal and you enjoy doing this and you make money doing this and it's good money, um, even as a cook, you know, it's got to be a passion for doing it. Foster that and develop that. Um, you know, I, I know one of the later questions is, "What book am I reading?" Um, but I wanted to just touch on Danny Meyer's book. And, and, love that know, book, Setting the Table. Yeah, it's classic. Like, love it. You know, you really just have to set that culture to people and, and have them grow and thrive. And if you can get someone in that position, then you don't have to go to an owner and say, "Hey, you know, they don't." They, they don't right. suck. Right. You can actually say they don't suck. Right. You know, here's some things we can now do. Why don't we try this? Why don't we move forward on that? Why don't we collect some ideas from them? Because yeah. they're going to be enthusiastic about those ideas. Right. Um, so, yeah. So that's, that's the large introduction of... No, no. I mean, I think that's fantastic. And, and, and I would... No. <laughs> and I would just validate what you're saying because I was working with a client one time who had called me. The initial call was, hey... I've got this concept. Would love for you to come and look at it. I've had it open for a few years. Not sure if it's viable. I want you to just come in here and tell me if you think it's good, or if I need to go get a job at Costco. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so I said, I said, of course. So I flew in, spent two or three days, and when we met to discuss my observations, I spent time with the team. He's got a couple of units open, went to visit those units, met with the team, met with the leadership he's got. Small organization, so there's not a lot of layers, which which like you, I love that, right? Yeah. Now, my yeah. my experience is a little different in that I've worked for some really large companies, and there's lots of layers. I'm just not a big layer guy. So, we met on day three before I flew home, and I said, you've got a great concept. And he's like, ah, great. I said, however, you've got the wrong people leading it. And it was just like this moment where he was like, I, I didn't really know you were going to tell me that. But then he started thinking about it. Then he started looking at it. He started, and then there was this realization of, and then I'm sure you have this moment too where then you have a client who wants to start to beat themselves up for it when what you're trying to tell them is, no, 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 you see it now. That's the good news. you got to see it first. Now we can move forward. Now we can make some impact. Yeah. Now we can figure out, okay, how do we want to move forward with this and you know, have the right conversations respectfully and, and move people on as we need to. But So when you were saying that, it really resonated with me as, I get that. Yeah. I get that. You know, and it's, it's really fun when you can actually, I, I always love using, you know, I use the hockey analogy more often than not, but because we're in Canada, Texas, that, of course. I'm going to use baseball today. Of course. But, um, you know, I really love that because it, it, it comes to it comes home to people where you can actually see it because in Canada, hockey is a very big passionate thing, right? Of course. Baseball here, football here. Um, yeah, I'm a baseball in guy. Canada too. Yeah, right. Um, but, uh, it's uh, it's one of those things where if you can actually put it into terms of, you know, you see your professional teams do this. 
they build their team based on skill sets in a, in a role, personalities, function. Um, why aren't you doing that for your restaurant? That's and, right. Uh, and then they kind of go, oh yeah, right. I, I need my people to actually function in these yep. roles. You know, exactly. you've got coaches that are going to train your people, so that's your managers. And me as a coach, I'm going to train your managers. Of but, course. Um, but they're going to lead those people into being able to actually do those jobs properly and have the roles set for them, understand every step of the day that they're supposed to do, and follow up and be accountable for Right. And then it's about, you know, okay, you've got the basics of it. How do you have fun doing it? Because yes. this has got to be a fun industry. You have to be in. Have you have to, to enjoy it. Have to. Because if you're Betty and you go to the table, what do you want? <laughs> exactly. You got to smoke on the go. Exactly. <laughs> it's not going to help your business. So, totally you build your team that way. To me, that's just been a big thing uh, of really getting that that particular point hit home. So I feel like I need to apologize to you. So <laughs> first, I need to say we're at North Italia Restaurant tonight. In Austin, Texas, and I love North. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorites. But I realized for the last 20 minutes, I've been eating your Zika chips, so That's I've got okay. a plate over here of my own. So <laughs> That's okay. So my apologies. I'm used to it. You know. So the other thing that happens in the industry is that you put your food down and everybody picks at it. 100 percent. 100 percent. I'm all good with it. <laughs> so, so I'm kind just of surprised know. the server hasn't come over and helped herself. <laughs> that's right. Because that's normally what happens when I eat in a restaurant, mostly with my clients. I <laughs> love it. Like, yeah, I love I'm it. just going to come over and try something. Go ahead. <laughs> so, we know what you're doing. We know where you are. So, how did you get going again? Like, how did you get started? Like, what was that moment for you? You know, I guess, I mean, I, I wanted to... I wanted to be a leader from a very young age. Um, when I was 13, I started my first job at a golf course. Wow. Um, and by the end of the first summer, uh, we went into the next season and they didn't have a manager. And they came to me at 14 years old and said, hey, we want to manage the backshop kids. There's eight of them. you got to do scheduling. You've got to order supplies in. You've got to make sure the private golf course guests are happy and they are wealthy Sure. It was kind of cool as a kid. I, I'd right. finish work and I'd be walking home and I'd get a, you know, Ferrari would pull up and say, hey, you need a ride home? I'm like, yeah, cool. You know, and I knew them. I knew who they were and I just, you know, helped them with their golf clubs and I caddied for them, whatever. So it was a really cool job to start. But I started off being a leader right then and there. Um, you know, in the restaurant industry, going into university, at the end of high school, I became a cook. Um, thankfully, skipped the dish pit. Um, although it's as I got later on in the years as a chef, after the rush, you'd love to just go in and spray the plates as your zen moment, instead of that, that zen sand garden, you're just spraying right. dishes and letting your mind escape. Um, but, you know, I really got into the consulting part of things. Uh, I'd been in small businesses, I, yep. you know, I'd watched concepts grow and I had helped uh, foster the roots of, of small restaurants. Um, to see them succeed and that was wonderful and I was a manager and you know the business got sold and that was that <laughs> right I didn't see that success out of it as well I worked hard for it but I you know I really enjoyed that process and I started more and more as I got older and more people knew me and I had a small specialty food company as well so I was on television and doing national things I won national awards for it that's awesome but um, 
Yeah, it was a really, it was a great little uh, company, and uh, you know, I really got more people calling me and saying, you know, I mean, this is happening in my restaurant, or hey, you know, I gotta ask you advice, and you know, so we go out and we'd have a coffee, and I'd sit and I'd find myself every other week having a coffee with somebody talking about their restaurant, and I started realizing that this was something that I, you know, needed to do. And that you were good at, and that you had a natural predisposition towards, right? Yeah, I think so, you know, it just sort of came to me that uh, I really liked being that go-to guy. Right. And I think that's where my leadership came in, or wanting to be that guy, was like, I wanted to be the guy, go-to guy. There's a problem, you go see him. I love it. And that, like, even in the restaurant, it was sort of like, if there's a problem, just come and see me. What can I do for you? Problems at tables were my, I loved it. Hell, there's something wrong, eh? Perfect. (laughs) Let's talk about that. Um, and you just, you know, the way I did it, people would be wowed at, at how I diffused the situation. Right. Um, so I started talking to more and more owners of, of small restaurants, and, um, you know, that was good. Um, I think I could help them out, and I thought I could do great things for them, and I, and that's where it really developed into doing it. And then the, the uh, rebate program started to come on board because I looked at it, and that whole concept of, wanting to be somewhat like a, a head office for a small business where I could get you the information you need. Um, you know, if you're a small chain restaurant, uh, we're talking, so I'm a partner now with Restaurant 365. Right. I'm the Canadian partner because I'm the only one so far. The first foray into Canada. Um, you know, this amazing That's technology. exciting. That's exciting. It, it's amazing. I love it. I, I've looked at these programs. I mean, I've used Optimum Control and you know, the, the inventory software systems are big and they're robust. For about the same price, you can do all of your accounting and, and get your numbers and actually start sure. to understand them. And so I put my, you know, my monthly service as part of that um, in Canada. <laughs> Just note that now. But, um, uh, yeah, you know, so those are the kind of things where I, I started bringing on these packages because I realized that those were areas where a lot of small businesses were in trouble. Yep. I went into one client and they were $20,000 in accounts receivable to one supplier. This is a small operation. Like they were doing 25000 a week. Oh boy. Not bad. I mean, no. yeah, that's a good living. But why weren't they paying the bills? They just, well, the manager wasn't processing them properly or the checks weren't written. Well, yeah, I know the checks weren't written. <laughs> I can tell that. Yeah, I'm surprised they're bringing you food. I mean, wow, you're going to end up going to the grocery store with a lot of bags, right? And right. trying to pick up what you need for the night. But so you know, those are the kind of things, right? I like to bring those tools out now. Yep. Um, there's a whole bag of tricks for you know. I've been in the business 30 years, so. Sure. You start out, and I started out with a lot of clients just saying, okay, I've got a whole package of Excel sheets that I'm going to bring out for you. You need to understand how to run your numbers. Right. And this is really important. You don't understand your numbers. You don't understand your business. That's right. right. You know, so now I've got these tool sets that I can bring out and say, yeah, here is, like, yeah. if you just do this, I can give you all kinds of savings just off your off your budget. Right. Off your expenditures, but make sure everything's done. That's right. And then if I can get you a rebate program, I can start saving you money and it's gonna just come back to you in your pocket. So so all of these little things just started coming out of that, you know, that sort of moment where 
I realized that I really liked helping small restaurants. You know, and the big chains are great. I mean, they've got a, a yep. lot of brains. There's a lot of great people thinking of, of how to operate their businesses. And yeah. I don't think that's my domain. You know, I, I'd like to go in and talk to those people about certain uh, seminar topics. Yep. Because I love public speaking. That's nice. You know, if I can go in and talk about the power of please and thank you, and spend an hour with your managers and just really get the idea that the experience of the guest is the most important thing, and the easiest way to do that is to say please and thank you. Absolutely. It's very simple. And then you can translate that back down into your enthusiastic staff that you've hired because you want to have the best baseball team out there. Right. Um, right. You know, the best floor team you can, the best kitchen team you can. Yep. If you can equate that to the same things and have that translate down and say, okay, well, we've got this enthusiastic team. You know what I really want you to focus on? How often do you say thank you? Simple. Yep. Simple, simple, simple thing. Please, thank you, you're welcome, may I? Really, really simple. You know, we all drill it into everybody's head. Behind, sharp, corner. <laughs> of course. Hot. <laughs> but, but that, please, thank you. But that one, we don't. How has that escaped us? Yeah, that's a great it's, point. It's kind of a funny, you know, and I go back to the being an old miser, old, the old guy. Why can't you kids say please and thank you? <laughs> but, but it's so true. You know, just that, that basic courtesy now of trying to bring that back. So I love doing those things for the big companies. Right. I love talking about that, being involved in, in those kind of seminars, um, those kind of um, panels and public sure. Yeah. So when you think about your journey and you think about the things that you've done and from the very beginning to, of your career to right now, what are the challenges that you've had to overcome? What are the hurdles that you faced Early on, or, or you know, even mid-career, that you had to overcome, you know, and how did you do it? You know, I think one of the as a young guy when I was when I was younger, it was really trying to find my roots of, of what I was doing. So I started in the kitchens, and you know, I worked really hard. I worked a lot of hours. I worked back then for very little money, <laughs> right? Um, right. You know, I, I mean, wages today. Some people argue they're making the same I did then, but. Um, you know, I really learned my way through the through the kitchen operations and was able to run kitchens my, on my own and develop concepts and develop menus and cost and do all of those great things. Um, one of the challenges I faced early was actually being able to transition out to the front of house because that's where the money was and, well, and the pretty girls. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But, you know, that's the... That was one of those things where I wanted to face that challenge as well because I, I enjoyed it. I uh, studied some improv acting at one point while I was cooking as a vent. It was my uh, my Sunday afternoon. I'd go in and have this improv class where I'd create characters about the chef that I was working right. for or uh, the people I worked with and uh, have fun with it just because right. I needed that mental thing. Yep. Um, but you know, that was a challenge. It was getting people to believe in me that I could do that. And actually, very quickly after I did that, I was actually the fine dining room. I was a, the lead server in a fine dining restaurant in downtown Toronto. Very high end, celebrities all the time. And, you know, I got to sit and chat with Mick Jagger and Ronnie Woods. And it was like, they, That's amazing. they were like, hey man, sit down for a minute. Let's just, like, just chill and relax. I'm like, oh. That's amazing. Um, you know, so you have those kind of fun stories where you can have that personality. But I believed in the brand. I believed in the food. 
I knew the chef was incredible. We had an incredible wine list. And it was all about the service and execution. So I was constantly coaching the rest of the team. And that eventually elevated me up to sort of be the lead supervisor, lead server. And then they eventually promoted me to a manager, um, which I don't know why I took that pay cut, but <laughs> as we all do. And then, you know, those are the other challenges. Then you get promoted up from being right. a server in an independent fine dining restaurant. And there really wasn't a lot of training. You know, at that point, it was very much, uh, you know how to do this. You're a server. You're your best that we've got. Go. That's definitely a hurdle to overcome. <laughs> definitely. Now, yeah. I wasn't a Betty. Right. But I didn't have any management training at that point. I'd been a manager. I'd run, you know, I, as I said, I started off as a, as a young guy managing a, a, a small group of kids. Um, I'd been in management situations before that. But to be put in charge of a high-end restaurant sure. and just kind of go... Um, that, that was a big challenge for me. So I found myself studying on my off hours, and of course having the server nightmares or manager nightmares. I woke up one night in the middle of the night, I've never forget this. This is now, so this is 28 years ago. No, sorry, 25 years ago, somewhere in there. Um, I'd forgotten to give a guest a glass of water. I bolted straight out of bed at 3 in the morning in an absolute panic, putting my pants back on, saying, I, oh my God, I forgot to bring them a glass of water. My wife's like, no, 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 like, they're, they're in bed. Like, like, okay, you made a mistake. Yeah, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere yeah. to go. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? Right. Um, but that's, you know, that was the passion I had for what I was doing. Um, so, you know, what I looked at at that point in my career, I was doing okay with it. I wasn't making as much money as I was serving. We made a fortune. And, uh, you know, I kind of let my, my kitchen side wane a bit. I was cooking at home and doing those yep. kind of things. So what I really, someone gave me some great advice and said, you know, you're at the age where you really should do some corporate work. Get into a restaurant where yep. there is checklists and systems and, and have those those knowledge sets for you. And uh, so I did that. I, I made the leap in. I was hired uh, out of Toronto to go out west. Um you know, they paid me Toronto rates to go out in a, yeah. in a smaller market, right. and um, you know that was that was a really great experience for me. So, you know, getting that advice was a really key point for me. Getting the right person to talk to, and not bitch, but just sort of say, you know, sure. I need to, I need to try to understand these things. I'm trying to ask questions. There just isn't a textbook of how to do it. And I said, well, actually, there is. <laughs> you just have to work for the right place. Got it. So. Those learning points, I think, you know, I took that step from fine dining and really yep. being in a cool environment, yep. all these celebrities and all these cool things going on, to a, a chain restaurant that, you know, had burgers and had chicken wings and yep. had bands at night and that kind of stuff. It was a totally different world for me, but it really opened up the doors for me later on in life, and it, it really resonates still to this day that I got that really good quality training. So that's a good segue. I want to ask you about this because we know, you know, early on you explained, like, here's the moment I realized I wanted to be a leader. So, and this may correspond with where we're at right now in your story, but as you think about the moment you wanted to become a leader, what was that first thing you did after that? Like, okay, I've decided 
I want to be a leader. I don't know exactly what it looks like. I'm young. I haven't got it all figured out yet. I have no idea really what I'm doing. I haven't had any real means of training right at the moment. But what was that thing you did after the moment you realized you wanted to be a leader? Yeah, I think it was, you know, I go back and I'll go back right back again to when I first stepped up and was asked yeah. to be a manager. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, absolutely, I'm going to do this. It was, to me, instinctively I put structure into place. This is how things operate. These are the things that you need to do. This is how I want things happening. This is how we talk to our, our member guests. Um, I think those were the kind of things. I just had that that enthusiasm and, and yep. I don't know if it was my father or my grandfather or what what put that into me. Sure. But um, I think I had that innate reaction to it. When I got older and I got later in life and I got into university and through that and um, you know, sort of had some fun. Um, and got some knowledge, <laughs> supposedly. Um, right, right. You know, I think where I really wanted to, uh, when I when I really decided that this was the career I was going into, because you know, I think I, as a lot of people do, I fell into restaurants. You know, I got into the cooking job because I needed a job, and a friend of mine's mom was the, the kitchen manager and gave me a job and taught me how to cook. And, you know, so I, I just kept going through it, kept yep. developing up, and kept getting these opportunities and then I, I finally said you know I, I really enjoy doing it um, I'm making good money doing this as a business as a, as a person right so it's a career path this is pretty good I see some people that I really admire um, and had some good managers that had given me great advice and, yeah. and started to look at it I think it's one of the hard things in my life that I've had really interesting opportunities that weren't capitalized on because I didn't get the right guidance. Right. I could have been a golf pro. I was a pretty damn good golfer. I learned how to play from some of the best golf golf pros in Ontario at that time. Um, and one of Canada's you know, sort of top golf pros. Uh, he was very old at the time. But, but you know, that, that structure of it, I saw guys coming up from California that had been doing um, their scholarships and all of that in the States. But the way they presented themselves and they really didn't give me the advice to go and go down to the States and get a scholarship and be right. a pro golfer, I think I would have had that, you know, I love golf, it was such a great thing, but, you know, when I did get the right advice, it was at the right time, and that helped me make that decision to become a restaurant manager and a restaurant leader. Once, I, once that decision was made, I think it really became about education again, how do leaders think, what books do I need to read, you know, you're reading Napoleon Hill and... Um, I'm reading Napoleon Hill right now. Yeah, me too. Actually, it's on my phone. <laughs> it's on my phone right now. Let's go on Audible. This is so funny. That is hilarious. Yeah. So, um, in his uh, own words, how to sell in your his song. own words, what I'm listening to right now. Okay. I'm, I'm reading How to Sell Your Song. So, and it's it's great. You know, I mean, this is advice that's almost 100 years old. It's still as relevant today as it ever was. Still as relevant today. Um, and it talks a lot about work ethic and, and all these great things. I love this. One of the books that, and I'm going to say this um, probably a couple of times, but one of the books that really changed my life in the industry was Positively Outrageous Service. Um, Scott Gross. I mean, it really opened my eyes to thinking outside of the box um, and understanding just the simplicity of it's all about the guest. It really is that guest experience that matters the most. And how can you wow somebody? Yeah. It, it just it changed my life totally. We actually had a promo that came out of that book. Um, I was running this little restaurant with a guy that started this hamburger restaurant. 
um, who were selling fajitas at the time. And a big chain restaurant, uh, it was still local, but they, they really dominated the market of fajitas, opened up just down the road from us in this massive, massive restaurant. And they were packed. You could not get into the place. Three hour waits of minimum every single day of the wow. week. Here we are with these really amazing fajitas, but we couldn't get a person in the place. I mean, we were getting almost nobody. So, out of the book, there was a story about an Italian restaurant in Texas, actually. Okay. Um, and, uh, of all places. Of all places. Um, I always think that was the funny part of it, but here we are in an Italian restaurant in Texas. <laughs> True story. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was having a hard time, so he started every Tuesday, he would go to a table and just say, ah, you won today, it's the free table day, and he would make sure everybody heard. He says, it's all complimentary, I'll just, you just have to tell your friends every Tuesday, it's all random, I don't know who's going to do it, but somebody wins the table. And so it built and it built and it built. So I thought, all right, let's do this a little bit different, go a little bit more outside the box and add some wow factor to it. Right. Um, so we grabbed, I grabbed a hot mushroom skillet. You know, remember the days where everybody would walk around and they'd clap their hands and they'd birthday song and yeah, yes. everybody oh, was yes. doing it. Uh, oh, yes. So I said, okay, well, we were still close to that era anyway. We had a DJ booth and a microphone and lights and all of this <laughs> stuff. So I got the owner and I said, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you this hot mushroom skillet pan. I've printed a guest check. I want you to go to this table number. It's complimentary tonight. I'm going to be on the microphone announcing what's going on. What I want you to do is light the bill on fire. Someone's going to throw some Zambuca into the pan, and you're going to throw the bill in the pan. Yep, wait for it. <laughs> so... So sure enough, I go and I get on the microphone. Welcome to Hoodoo McFiggins on a Thursday night. And I had this whole big radio DJ voice thing and announced the special. And this is what we're doing. And so they, they get out there. They get to the table. They the Zambuca. And the fireball was about two, three feet in the air. <laughs> Everybody's just going, oh, my God, what's this? And so I'm announcing. I go through the whole thing. Your bill is on us, and thanks for coming out. Tell your friends, tell your family, bring everybody next week. And sure enough, we had double the people next week. Wow. And we were, same thing happened. And so people were just kind of looking around. Like, waiting to see who was going to be. Right? Waiting to see me going to the DJ booth. Like, oh, and you can see it. They're just tapping each other. Oh, it's going to do it. So sure enough, I did it. And they went out, and they, you know, it was a table of four, a table of two, a table of, you know, six. Whatever we did, it didn't matter. It was the effect that mattered. Because how much are you really spending in your food cost to give away a table? Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're doing a promo dollar, let's be real on it, you know, it's going to cost you maybe maybe 20 bucks 20 for a bucks, table of right. six. Maybe a table of four. Right. But the impact was really great. And we actually started getting people coming back regularly. And we started having more fun with it. And the staff had more fun with it because this crazy-ass fireball thing. <laughs> and I would bet that even the people, there's only one table one, but even people who didn't win, they were genuinely happy to see that. Oh, yeah. They right? were just like, oh, my God, look at that. They did it. And it was really funny. You know, and so we would do it a little bit more. And, you know, it just kind of bled into other days. We would talk about different promos. We would yeah. talk about different events that we're doing. While we're doing this one simple promo, I was right. talking about everything else we were doing. So, yeah, that, you know, 
the whole leadership decision and yep. reading those books. And, That's right. And once you once you get into that, your passion can grow. Yeah. And you can have a lot of fun. You can do crazy things. So according to Fire Code. So my first. Uh, <laughs> so so my first leadership book that I ever bought. I was 18 years old, and it was from Zig Ziglar, who's a legend. Right. He's not a restaurant guy, but he's a business guy, right? So my first book I bought at 18 was called Top Performance. And and I still have it. The very first book I ever bought at 18 years old. And I was like, wow, this is like, for me as an 18-year-old kid in 1986, I'm older than you. So um, it was like groundbreaking for me. You know, as I think about the evolution of the industry, I think about you, I think about something you said a couple minutes ago. I want to ask you about this because what I love about this conversation amongst all that we're talking about, which is so great, you said something a couple, a few minutes ago about the career path or, or the career, I think it was the career path is the term you used. Yeah. So is that something that you saw early on? Did you actually hear that term or are you just applying what happened to you as being that? Um, and the reason really I ask is because right? I, you know, as I grew up, kind of as you know, we were sharing off podcast. Like I saw, I, mean, I didn't see myself as a leader necessarily, but my franchisee, my GM, they saw something to me I didn't see in myself, and 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 it it, it really it really surprised me until I look back on it now. Like I was on time or early for every shift. I worked really hard, kept my head down. I did my job. I offered to help. I stayed late. All those things you want to see, right? So this also free for being on time or early. Oh, oh my God, hundred percent. It is drives me right? And so, so they saw something in me I didn't see in myself, and right away they got me into management training, hourly management training for McDonald's, and but but we didn't really have that language that we do now, like around career path and we're going to talk about culture later but there was really those words weren't really used no. in my upbringing but but now as I look back on it I can say that's what that was right yeah. like they didn't have it clearly defined like we do today I think it was direction was yes. you know direction would have been the word back in that of course day, uh, yeah you know, well, what are you doing what direction are you yeah going? no that makes total sense you know it was sort of you know when I got to be a, a trainer yeah um, that you know that that had elevated me to the point where I thought, oh, this is awesome, and I can talk to people, and I can so, do training seminars out west. So you knew you had opportunity. Yeah, you know, I think it. I think really where the base of it came is that I really enjoyed what I was doing. Yeah. And I, I it, yeah. You know, I fell into it, but it it sort of took over and over right. me. Right. And I and I started to own it by becoming that leader and being able to develop my skills and. and have a full range of skills. I can be in any part of the restaurant at I any point time. You know, and it, depending on the concept. I mean, if I was at the works restaurant and I was hosting at the front door and a burger needed to be flipped, I could see it and I knew it and I could go yep. and do it. Yep. Um, but, of course. You know, that was just me walking around the restaurant and being aware of everything that's going on. But you no, know, I, I really think it was. Um, again, I think it was just great advice, and I, I think that's important that you know, as we kind of talk of leadership. Yeah. That. You, you really take the time for the people that that work for you and with you to give them the right advice and develop you know, cuz you can clearly see like certain people have certain traits and potential and how are you affecting that cuz i look back at my experience of 
I could have been a golf pro. I could have been an, any number of things. A number of things, right. Um, and I, you know, I, I always think back of it. Sometimes I think back of it negatively. And, you know, everybody, oh, I missed that opportunity. Wouldn't it have been cool to have been a golf pro in Texas? But, <laughs> or Florida. I think it was Florida. At the time. Not this but, time of year. But not yes. this time of year. Yes. But, you know, um, I look back at that and, and it took the right person to give me the right advice. So I always try to do that in my life now. And it doesn't matter if I'm being paid as a coach or if I'm uh, if I'm just helping a friend. Right. It's you know, it's the right advice at the right time and yep. trying to be honest about what you're telling. That's right. And, and seeing what their skills are and being able to tell them what it is that you see in them. Because I mean, you know, a duck is a duck, but they might not be able to cook. Um, you know, and then, that, so that, I think there's a very truth to it is that you know, cooks in front of house tend to be different people. I couldn't it's agree rare more. Across, right? I mean, I couldn't agree more. I have like two things I want to ask you about yeah. along those lines, but like one of them I know to be true. I'm sure you've seen this in your career. I've certainly seen it in mine. We have very similar paths, I think, in some respects. I, I think that you know we were talking about earlier before the interview about how tenure doesn't equal excellence. And I think sometimes people think, oh, this this person was a great GM. And I think people automatically think that means they should be a great multi-unit leader. Very different skill sets. Just because someone can run a great restaurant does not mean they can run two or three or four or five. And, and so I think that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. And then the other thing I would just want to, well, you know what, I guess I'll let you answer that first. Like, so what's, like when you're, when you're meeting with someone and they're a really great GM, how do you identify whether or not they have the potential to do more? Like, what does that look like? You know, I think it again comes down to that level of, the level of enthusiasm for what they're doing. Have they committed to this being a career path? Right. Or a, a direction that yeah. they're going? Yeah. Or are they just Betty that got promoted and happened to do a good job? Um, you know, you really, it, it, I don't think there's a one, one big solution for it all. There's right. no one, one fits all. Um, I like to look at it as, what have I done to help develop that person? Um, so when I, when I ran these restaurants, um, I ended up being the guy that would train the GMs. And they would just send me another assistant manager because the assistant I had got promoted up. Right. Um, and it was all about what skills do you need to know? What knowledge do you have to have? Do you understand the identity of what we're doing? Do you really live and breathe the brand? Do you understand yep. what we, everything that we do? Yep. Um, can you build a team and build a culture and, have, and maintain the culture that we've built as a brand? Right. Um, because there is some consistencies. Once you get into a chain and you start expanding, you do have to have the consistencies of... You know, we're all doing the birthday song, or oh, we're not. <laughs> we're not. But more, more likely in the chain, it's like, yeah, no, we're all doing this. Right. We're going to like it. Um, unfortunately, that's that's what happened. But um, you know, to me, it's it's how can you develop that person? I, if I haven't tried hard enough as a as a manager, as a regional manager, whatever I am, if I haven't put the effort into being able to give that person those basics then they're not going to succeed. They're not going to have the opportunity. No, they won't. So, you know, it's all about their attitude at that point. 
If they've got a great attitude and want to try, I will give anybody that will give me an inch, I'll give you a mile. If you are going to give me an effort, I will teach you everything I possibly can at a pace that I feel you're you're getting it, right? Of course. I'm not going to push it all on you and say, right. you need to know this now. Right. You've got one week to learn absolutely everything or you're, or you're not moving on. Right. I'm going to teach you at the pace that's right for you. And if you don't succeed, you know, I, I take that as a bit of a personal failure as right. well. But, you know, like some people are... They don't want to. Some people are happy with they where they That's are right. and what they're doing. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's all a balance of you know, is it this person's attitude and is it their direction and have they decided that this is where they want to go? They can you roadmap a career path right. for them to say, okay, I'm giving you the skill sets and you're learning them and you're you are achieving, right? You are growing and you are maturing as a as a manager and as a leader. Great. Here's you know. Here's more. Here's more. Um, and I don't like taking a jump from from GM to regional without having trained. You know, it's not something I think you should do as an overnight. Sometimes you have to. You don't have a choice. You're you're busting out of the seams, expanding. Like you know, I've listened to your other podcast with Chipotle, and you know, exploding into. From two, what was it, two hundred to twenty thousand or something? Well, it was, you know, it's, it's yeah, insane. it was going from like. So I was interviewing one of my uh, one of my former restaurateurs the other day, Damien Biggins, who's now back in Austin, but he spent seven years international. He was in Canada. Uh, he was in London, and he was you know in Paris. So he did all this, and you know both he and I started about a year apart. But like when we both started, there were less than two hundred restaurants. When I left, there was 1,200. When he left, there was 2,200. So it's like this explosive growth, right? But even in that scenario, I think the thing that made us so successful during that sweet spot of growth was that the answer to everyone with was when they asked us, how quickly are you going to grow? How much are you going to grow? The answer always was, we'll grow with as many great people as we have to grow with. That was the answer. And it was the right answer. Right? Very much. So that you're not in a position where you're shotgunning somebody to get them to a GM or to a service manager, to a kitchen yeah. manager, whatever. Uh, Listen, stop sweeping the floor. I need you to run the restaurant. Exactly. <laughs> Which we know. We grew up in this business. That's how it used to be, right? Yeah. Typically, we promote hourly supervisors that were on the cash register. Oh, they can count money, so they must be successful. Yeah. Or they will be successful. Let's give them keys to the store. It was a terrible decision, right? That's how everyone did it in the 80s, right? In the 90s. Or at least the first part of the 90s, for sure. To the last part of the 90s. And it was terrible. For two decades, we did this in the business. It was a terrible decision. And we wonder why so many restaurants failed, because we didn't have that focus on leadership development. Which is a great segue, because you started talking about leadership a couple minutes ago, and you said it was perfect. Like, right on cue, like you almost knew. But, like, when you think about... All that you teach, I'm just really thinking about sick, right? I'm thinking about it. Like, I think you need to trademark it, too, before someone steals it. You should do that. So, uh, now that I've given everyone the idea on the podcast, they're going to steal it. But, uh, so what's one leadership tip that you, that you know, whether it was 20 years ago, 10 years ago, or yesterday, that you know is just as true today as it was then that you can share with our listeners? You know, I think if you have faith in what you're doing, 
what your people are doing what, and who your people are. You have to have that understanding and belief in, in the process and, and, and everything that you're doing. I really think that that's, that's a very big key because if you don't believe in what you're doing, um, as a leader, how can you how can you get other people to follow you? That's right. You know, and I think that's something that I might be a little lost these days. You know, we there's so much going on on social media and so much negativity, and you see it now coming out of the the people trying to be their genuine self and having these heartfelt moments on on social media and saying, "Oh, you know, it's great." Well, you know, fine, but. Believe in what you're doing as a manager and as a leader, and I think you'll you'll succeed greater than. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's true. It's you know it is being your own true self, but it's it's really having that that confident confidence and faith in what you're doing. You know, and I think people people see it, people relate to it. You know, this guy knows what he's doing. You might be absolutely terrified out of your mind. Right. But. If everybody else around you knows that you're the calm, cool guy because you believe in what you're doing, you've got that, that understanding, you, you can win over everybody. You can win over millions. I think that authenticity is so... That's one of the missing things, I think, in this business, right? I think part of being authentic, being genuine, you know, humility, all those things, like, like you might be the leader, but you don't have all the answers and and I think it's when you are open and honest enough you know I'll go back to the beginning of something you said in the very beginning of this interview like let's get those ideas from our people right let's yeah. pull those ideas in let's let's what are you scared of absolutely right yeah. I've because, heard some pretty dumbass ideas well hey and <laughs> I've heard I some mean, really phenomenal ones too so I went to LeaderCast which is a which is the largest one-day leadership seminar in the world. And it's in Atlanta every May. And a couple years ago, one of the guys who was up there on stage speaking said this, and I found it as I've been continuing to process it. Like, the next generation is going to be able to figure out problems that we can't figure out, right? So, like, problems that we have right now, they're not going to come... We're typically not going to find that solution in this generation. It's going to be the next generation that figures it out, which makes your point about leadership all the more important, right? And that inclusiveness of bringing everyone to the table and saying, hey, what's your idea, right? I mean, it's such an old idea, right? You're only only as strong as your weakest link all of that yada yada but it's it, I think it's really just a belief in your people yeah if you believe and you can identify again even in your servers or your, your host or your bartender or your cook yeah. or your dishwasher yeah do they have potential great now are they giving me effort perfect let me work with that that's right you know and that's that's believing in your people believing yeah. in, in the process of doing that totally agree and I think you only I think you only get that as a leader if you believe in in what you're doing yeah if you as a leader believe that what yeah. you're what you're doing has a purpose. That's right. And you have to find that. Awesome. So if you find that you're Betty and you've been promoted up and everybody else is surpassing you and you're getting right. frustrated, find your passion. Yeah. Is there a passion for it? And I think that's just those moments of introspection where you have to sit and meditate or whatever you're gonna do. Right. Right. To figure out where you wanna be in life. 
Thanks so much for listening to part one of my conversation with Andrew Craig on the Cutting Onions podcast. I'm so excited for you to hear part two of the conversation, which will air next Thursday. Thanks again for joining us, and please, if you're enjoying this podcast, please rate us on iTunes or wherever you consume podcast content, and leave us a review. I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and have a great week.